just want to read a verse this morning because um, I didn't plan on reading it as part of the service. I was just, this morning it was a nice thing in the nine o'clock service that actually, I did, I did read it there. And then the, independently, the prayers had been prepared and they used the same verse. And then uh, Mars, as part of her talk, is, uh, will also use this verse. And it was just kind of like, ooh, God, you're doing something. What are, you, what are you doing, right? And so let me just read this for you. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Amen. Let me invite Corley up to come and do our scripture reading. It's unusual this morning in that we're reading, there's several verses being read, um, but you'll see why. So, Yes, it's been taken from four different books, and there's a common theme throughout. So the first one is Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And then Song of Songs, chapter 5, verse 10 to 12. My beloved is radiant and ruddy, outstanding among 10,000. His head is pure as gold. His hair is wavy and black as a raven. His eyes are like doves by the water streams washed in milk and mounted like jewels. And then Song of Songs, chapter 6, verse 4 to 7. You are as beautiful as Terza, my darling, as lovely as Jerusalem, as majestic as troops with banners. Turn your eyes from me, they overwhelm me. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep coming up from the washing. Each has its twin, not one of them is missing. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 31, verse 28 to 31. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. And then 1 Samuel chapter 16, starting at verse 1 and then various different verses. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his kings, one of his sons, to be king. And down to chapter, uh, verse 6. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at these things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And then um, 11 to 12. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. 
Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. Brilliant. And let me pray for Mars as she comes to preach. Uh, Father, I pray that you would use Mars this morning. I pray that you would um, help her to communicate clearly. I pray that you'd give us hearts that are open to what you want to say. Father, I thank you for what she's prepared and everything that she's um, bringing to us today. And so use it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Morning. Um, so our topic this morning is beauty and the body. Um, and I... There were quite a lot of verses to get your heads around there on a Sunday morning, and I am giving you due warning now, there are a few more to come. Um, but they all should all come up on the screen so that you're not having to kind of flip through it back and forth through the Bible as we go along. And there is a reason for that, because the thing is, this whole topic would be much easier to deal with if we just had the readings from 1 Samuel and Proverbs. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And I could have followed that up with Peter's advice, which is sent to God's elect, strangers in the world. So that is us. And Peter says, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewellery or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. And if we stopped there... All I would need to say is that clearly our culture has gone wildly wrong with the obsession with appearance, with staying young. I could talk about how maybe we don't have peace with ageing as a culture because we've lost our belief that death is not the end. So the signs of getting older bring a sense of panic to a very lost group of people. And that we as Christians who have that hope need to focus on what's inside us, on our souls, our character and revel in the knowledge that it doesn't matter if we are 20 or 80, whether the world writes us off because we don't look a certain way or says we're past it. We are in God's hands, and he has a plan for us. Um, last year, I watched a session from the Willow Creek Global Leadership Summit, and one of the speakers, who was a very forthright chap, was talking to a group of older pastors, and he said, I don't care if you think you're too old, too tired, being passed by, God has plans for you. And then he said this, if you're not dead, you're not done. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, and, and, and as Christians, we can live actually in that both challenging place and place of relief that we don't have to live by those values that say what we look like is what matters. And everything I have just said, I believe to be utterly true. And that would be a really clear-cut message. be really easy to preach that message. But the problem is that isn't all there is in the world, and that isn't all there is in the Bible. You get these completely, I can only assume teenagers, besotted teenagers in the Song of Songs, who cannot stop wittering on about how gorgeous the other one is. Um, now, I love Song of Songs, not least because it makes me laugh. Um, our ways of describing physical beauty have changed somewhat. Um, I can't imagine ever telling someone that their eyes were like doves by the stream, um, I've recently cut my hair a bit shorter, and so far nobody has told me that it now looks like a flock of goats. Um, and to be honest, I'm not sure I'd take it that well if they did. 
And I also think that possibly their standards of physical beauty were a little bit different. I don't know if you noticed what he has to say about the girl. He is very excited about the fact that she has all her teeth. Um, and if you think of a world where there's no dentistry and no toothpaste, that might be more significant than we realise. Um, so the imagery is of the world that they lived in, and, and it's different to how we would describe it. But when, if you read through Song of Songs, when you look past that, there is a very deep and intense revelling in what the other one looks like and their bodies. It's, it's quite intense. So what do we do with that? If we're just saying, well, beauty doesn't matter, it's irrelevant as Christians, we shouldn't think about it at all, what do we do with that? And I think that this possibly sums up where most of us live, not, thankfully, in that besotted love affair stage, which would be exhausting if you did it forever, um, but with a sense of tension about what we think about beauty and the body. We know that God looks at our hearts, we know that our soul is the most important thing, and yet the outside is the first thing we see when we look at each other. Um, we do think about what we're going to wear to a party, most of us, not everyone, but lots of us do. When we see a little child and their like, fresh face, it brings you a sense of joy. If you see someone you think is beautiful, whether it's because it's your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife, your child, your grandchild, someone you just pass in the street, there's a sense of pleasure in that. So we sort of just try and ignore the disconnect, but it's a bit disturbing, and I think whenever we feel a sense of tension about how things seem to be in the world and what we think God is saying, the only sensible thing to do is go and explore what he's actually saying. If we go back to the story about David, the last reading we had, I noticed something reading through that that I'd never spotted before, even though I've heard lots of sermons on it and I've read it myself. The first brother, one assumes, is very fine-looking, and that's why Samuel thinks, oh, well, he must be the one. Look at him. Fine figure of a man. And probably because... The next time you see David, he's fighting a nine-foot-high man-mountain. I had always assumed that David was a bit weedy and pathetic-looking. And, and that God is making the point to Samuel that it's not about choosing the good-looking ones. It's, but actually, it's not that. Because it turns out David apparently is also quite good-looking, according to the writer. It's just that God knows that being pin-up material or a screensaver, nice screensaver to look at is not the quality you need to lead a country. His story isn't about God choosing the less good-looking over the more good-looking. It's that, for God, that's just not relevant. And actually, a person's looks very often aren't. You could meet someone who is gorgeous to look at, in your view. But if they are selfish, vain, arrogant, self-absorbed, living with them would be miserable. And I think that is the first the key thing we need to know. That someone's appearance is the least important thing about them. What's going on inside is who they are, and that is so much more important. And that also means it's the least important thing about you and me as well. I think we're all quite good at thinking, oh yes, other people's don't looks matter, but looks don't matter, but often lots of people worry about their own. As the, the Proverbs reading puts it, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. And that's the second thing. It's obvious, but our physical appearance changes. So it really isn't wise to cling to that as our identity. Now, when I was a kid, people just got older, and about all you could do about that was moisturise. Um, but now there are all sorts of procedures you can do. But whether you do or whether you don't, you still change. Now, I, um, it should come up in a moment. I am a bit of a fan of the, the um, next one, I think. 
Where are we? We should have a picture of some of the cast of Friends, if we can find that. If we can't, I'll just tell you about it. Um, don't worry, I'll keep going. If you find it, that's great, but don't worry if you don't. So if you've ever watched Friends, I like watching Friends. It makes me laugh. And um, the, obviously, when they made it, the cast were very young, and uh, they've all aged somewhat, and they had this, this reunion uh, show, and then they all came to it. And um, uh, Courtney Cox, there we go, Courtney Cox on the left there, she's had, it is quite well known, quite a lot of plastic surgery done, quite a lot of work. Matt LeBlanc has not. And um, he, he described on a show once, actually, um, that he now, because Friends keeps being repeated on loads and loads of different channels, he actually gets people come up, coming up to him saying... Are you Matt LeBlanc's dad? <laughs> and he's like, no. <laughs> and my point isn't should you or should you not have plastic surgery. I'm really not addressing that this morning. My point is whether you do or whether you don't, when you are 50, you won't look like you did when you were 20. Any more than you look the same when you're 20 as when you're two. Our physical appearance changes. So we need to hold it lightly. Um, and not only that, the definition of beauty changes quite regularly. Um, I was roaming the internet a bit, which is always unwise, as I was thinking about this topic, and discovered that apparently eyebrow hair transplants are a thing. Like, apparently this is true, mainly for women who overplucked them about 10 years ago when the trend was to pluck all your eyebrows off and then draw a line instead, which has got to be the most ridiculous <laughs> fashion trend ever. And they've basically, they plucked them so much they've stopped growing back. And now the trend, in case you're wondering, if you don't know this already, is for much fuller eyebrows. that you're Not only fuller, but you brush them up so they stick up, apparently. Um, and my conclusion from this is twofold. We really need to hold beauty lightly, given that the definition of what it is changes so frequently. And that a culture where a person's eyebrows are judged by others is seriously in need of some help. And yet, Song of Songs is still there because we do respond to and appreciate the outside of a person. And the Ecclesiastes verse says, God has made everything beautiful in its time, even us. Um, so it's not that physical beauty has no place in our thoughts, in our lives. And that, I think, is what causes the tension when we try and have that conclusion. But it has become far too high a priority in our culture. Um, this next bit, I next basically from what Sean, Sean's outline of what the topic was, because it was really good, so I just thought, I'm going to just read it, it's really good. Currently, our world seems to say that on the one hand, the body is everything. I need to be beautiful, whatever that looks like, at all costs. On the other hand, what I do with my body doesn't matter at all. C.S. Lewis wrote an essay called First and Second Things because he spotted that we have a tendency as a species to put the wrong things in first place, in importance. And when we do that, things tend to unravel. And I think this is a perfect example of this. We've, we as a culture have got it badly upside down. I don't think God intended for us to draw either of those two conclusions. God clearly loves beauty. He has woven it through the whole created order, and that includes us. And the bodies he's given us are amazing even when they're not working perfectly, they're so intricate, they're so powerful, they're so clever. So appreciating that is just enjoying what God has made. We can enjoy beauty in other people, but it should be a thing, not the first thing. 
Now, I semi I work at Monkton Coombe School, and I look after a, a ha- one of the boarding houses, and I semi-regularly ask the girls in my house to define the most important qualities they look for in a f- really good friend. I've done this several times over the years, and not once, not ever, has anyone ever said to me, oh, what they look like, that's what matters to me. And yet, many of us, especially girls and women, do fret and worry about their own appearance, and there will be a little bit more on that later. So the way we look should be way down the pecking order of importance. On the other hand, what we do with our bodies, along with our minds and our hearts, matters hugely to God. You only need to look at Jesus' teaching to see this. Not once does he talk about someone's appearance as being a significant thing. Never. However, he never stops talking about how do we approach God, how do we live, how do we treat others which I think should make us stop and think, how much time do I spend thinking about my appearance versus how much I think about those things? That passage we read from Proverbs is all about recognizing the qualities of the woman being described, her hard work, her skills, not her appearance. And I, as a woman, love so much that that chapter, it's a whole chapter and it's amazing, is in the middle of the Bible. Because it, we... We still live in a world where so often women are told that what matters about them is what they look like, that that's all that's valuable. This next bit is a bit of a sidebar, but I just want to stop for a moment and consider whether we accidentally feed that as individuals. I got challenged about this um, several years ago. Uh, You might come across a small child, either your own, someone else's, grandchildren, just casual acquaintance has got a little one or you might be a teenager yourself how often to those teenagers and to those children do we comment on their appearance especially if they are a girl I noticed this in myself and now I really try not to do this that often if we meet a little girl we'll go oh you look so pretty if we meet a little boy We don't generally go, you look so handsome. We talk to the boy about what he's doing. We talk to the girl about what she looks like. And that is long before the internet starts adding on the pressure. Little girls and little boys are hearing through repetition that what matters about the girl is what she looks like. And so I want to challenge us not to be part of that anymore. That if we meet any child or any teenager or anyone that the first thing we're talking about is who they are. Sorry, sidebar over. Uh, When we love someone, they very often become beautiful to us. If you think back to those lovers in Songs of Songs, they're completely smitten. But it's not limited to that kind of a relationship. Have you ever noticed how most new parents think that their baby is beautiful, even if you think it looks a bit squashed and wrinkly? Or to give you another example, one of my oldest friends has always had slightly, ever so slightly, uh, kind of protruding front tooth teeth, back to the teeth, and um, only a tiny bit, and quite recently, sort of in her 40s, she decided to get them corrected because clearly it had bothered her. And I was actually really sad when she said she was doing this because I love her face, because it's her face and those teeth are part of it. And... And I kind of, I didn't really want her to change it because it was like, but that's you. Um, You'll be glad to know I'd still love her. 
I haven't given up on her because she's done something to her teeth. Um, but the truth is, the person that, the, the underneath part of the person is what we come to love, and then we come to love the face that goes with it, if that makes sense. Because the most important things are on what's on the inside of us. And if you don't believe me, I just want you to listen to this description. This is a description we find in the Bible. He was like a root in dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance to make us desire him. In fact, he was despised and rejected. If we believe that beauty is paramount, then we are wrong. (laughs) We need to listen to that again. Because that description is a prophecy about the most important human being ever to walk the earth. And he wasn't beautiful in human terms. But he was exactly what we all needed. Just to paraphrase what Isaiah says next about him, he took up our weaknesses, our flaws, he carried our pain, he was pierced for our failings and crushed for our wrongdoing. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed and the significance of that is so far beyond anything to do with physical appearance we are so so fiercely and deeply loved by God that he would do that and that has to be the foundation of our lives if we want to know what should come In first place, when we're thinking about beauty, I have the verse that Sean read earlier, just as we close. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And for me, this is where all of those different bits click into place and I lose the sense of tension. Because uh, C.S. Lewis again says that the devil can only ever distort something that God has already created. He never makes up anything. It's always just a twisting of what's real and true. And here we see why we long for beauty. Why we appreciate beauty in our world. Because... The source of it all is God and his beauty. So when we see someone who physically is attractive, it's like a tiny little glimpse of the the deeper, much bigger beauty of God. But if we twist it on its head and we make physical beauty the one thing, it can never satisfy us because it doesn't last. It isn't what's going on inside and it isn't God. We're putting another person or an idea of a person in where God should be in our lives. But that yearning for beauty and love of beauty is there because we should be going to look at his beauty. He's the, his beauty and his character is what can satisfy us. So when we see a face that strikes us as beautiful, whether it's because it's a face we love or just one where you can see the creativity and beauty of God, enjoy the view. But know that what matters most is not that we are beautiful, but that we are beloved. And our our focus needs to be seeking 
the beauty of the one who loves us that much. Amen.